Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Tanda gets his third. Everyone told me I get slow when I was there, but I'm going to get faster. Percat's his first. Well, I had to find a seat in the garage and sit down. I didn't know what was going on. And Daryl Waltrip gets a wild ride. No, Jason, no, easy, Jason. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Garth Hander has dedicated his victory at Bathurst to former HRT owner Tom Walkinshaw, following his third Bathurst win last weekend. He was all about Bathurst. He was, this race meant a lot to him, and um, you know to win it first up after his passing is, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a pretty special feeling. Nick Perkett could not believe they had won the great race on his first try. I was only like 10, 12 years ago. I was at the top of the mountain as a little kid just watching and trying, trying to stay out of the way of all the, all the fans and just watch the cars. So it's, it's unbelievable and uh, Garth is just absolutely awesome to handle that much pressure at the end. And oh, I just don't know, know what to say. I can't thank everyone enough. Craig Lowndes said he doesn't feel any additional emotion when he's fighting hard for the win at the end of a race like we saw last weekend. No, I think that uh, you know you always do the best you can, and uh, you know I don't think Garth or I had much left in tyre-wise, so uh, uh, we were just doing the best we could with what we had and doing as fast as much. And I think you're more calm when you're inside the car than actually being in, in the garage, and it was for me like that when Scaife started. So uh, um, you know it's one of those things you just take on on board and uh, you do the best you can. For his teammate Mark Scaife, he now has to decide between continuing to race or heading up the commission. Oh, the quiet beer tonight, and I'll think about it through the week. Um, I, I, you know, I'll make my mind up uh, over the next uh, next week or so, and uh, and I'll get my brain around it. I mean, at this point, I've just enjoyed this weekend immensely. It's been, you know, an unbelievable weekend for us, and and you know, watching the last part of that race there is as good as I've ever seen. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that in first, and I'll wrap my brain around the rest afterwards. Steve Johnson's Jim Beam racing crew will be burning the midnight oil as they go to work on his damaged car. Johnson told the V8 Insiders about the damage to the number 17. At this stage it doesn't, you know, it rolls the right hand side doors open and close so that's not a bad sign um, the diff and everything looks fairly straight so it just looks at this stage it's panel work and you know maybe a bit of straightening. We need to get it back and put it on the jig and see if there's any shock points and suspension points that are moved and if that hasn't happened well there's going to be some long nights ahead but you know I'm pretty sure that we're going to be able to repair it. Jason Bright talked about his changing fortunes with safety cars particularly late in the race. Yeah, apparently Wind Cup's thing stopped, I drove, I drove past it and then he got it going again and held up you know, most of the field and uh, that allowed us, I mean we were going to pop out reasonably well anyway with, um, you know, because we had more fuel on board at that point but 
it really, you know, it, it meant that we popped out in third, and, and that was, you know, that was what we needed. I mean, we we had we definitely didn't have a passing car today. We were, you know, our pace was was sort of mediocre, to say the best, and um, and uh, we, you know, we needed a bit of luck to get us up there because if in clear track we could, we, you know, we actually had pace enough to, to obviously finish fourth or fifth, and um, you know, in the end it was fifth. For Jamie Wincup, he has relinquished the championship lead following a series of dramas in the team Vodafone number 88. With my championship cap on, it was an exciting finish to the race and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it'll be a dogfight championship-wise right till uh, the last race. The calendar was released on the weekend with Tony Cochran announcing a 16-race series for 2012. Tony announced that there will be a further goal of events in the coming years. We're working very diligently and... The board are working very hard to be at 18 events by season 2014, one year ahead of our master plan, and um, we, um, we're very confident by season 2014 we'll have 18 events spread across uh, 40 weeks of the year. A pre-season test will continue with all teams being present. Hasn't got a confirmed date, but we are looking to do it again. It was a magnificent success uh, for anybody who was there. A huge fan turnout at Eastern Creek earlier this year. And uh, we are looking to uh, repeat that um, exactly where and when has not been fully locked and loaded. And the Abu Dhabi race for the V8s will be sharing the billing with Formula One. This is uh, a tremendous relationship. It's uh, well steeped now in a a fair degree of history. Um, I have to say Mr Eccleston has been fantastically supportive of it. Shane Howard spoke about the importance of the Fujitsu series to the organisation. They're a great product. They're, they're good for, you know, great for, for driver development. That, that class has really had a kick. We've got you know, a large number of entries. We've got some good young drivers coming through. And I think to be able to give uh, the dr- young drivers the opportunity to uh, develop their skills, to uh, get it to a level where they can run at a, at a venue like this and then potentially um, you know, enter into the championship is a good thing for uh, you know for driver development. So whilst the calendar's been released with one race to be confirmed, it's also the formats now that everyone is waiting to see how they will be structured. But the return of the Sandown 500 has been a welcome inclusion. Uh, Sandown's a place that, uh, yeah, clearly Dad had a, a lot of uh, success there and won the 500-kilometre the race there a few times. And um, it's a personal favour of mine, Sandown. I've always seemed to have gone pretty well there and uh, I probably consider that uh, my true home track, uh, being a Melbourne boy. Speed TV was on hand for the great race at Bathurst and here's what Daryl Waltrip thought of his ride round the track with Jason Bright. Just lost my lunch. I didn't even have any. This is a geological oddity. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hang on, Jason. Can't even see where we're going, and he ain't slowing down. This is going to hurt 200 miles a damn hour. Oh, crap. And finally, six years on, it's good to see there's no love loss between Greg Murphy and Marcus Ambrose. With Speed TV on hand, they created the opportunity for the two to reunite, as Murphy explained. He was uh, giving me a bag because he didn't know I was on the other one. (laughs) (laughs) He was telling um, uh, Daryl Waltrip about uh, how um, I cost him the win that year and uh, had taken him out and... And he was still gutted about it. And then they went, well, guess what? <laughs> He's right there. Huh? Oh. <laughs> 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 Very funny. <laughs> 
And then he said, what a great job I've done to get pole position. Wanking. Back up as quick as he did that day. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. When you <laughs> And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. James Mufford joins me next. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On his rookie year, joining us once again is James Moffat. And James, congratulations. Two races in a row where you've outpaced your teammate by uh, quite some distance. Oh, well, I'm not too sure about that, um, Craig, but look, at the end of the day, uh, clearly for both you Beam Racing Falcons, we, we didn't get the result that uh, we were looking for. So another frustrating uh, weekend for the team, uh, particularly up, up at Bathurst, the biggest race of the year. So uh, look, uh, one car's uh, pretty severely damaged, obviously the incident with uh, with David Bernard driving Steve's car. Um, you know, the, the guys are going to have uh, a, a big sort of 10 days ahead of them to try and turn that car around for uh, for the Gold Coast event. And, um, you know, there's going to be uh, still a bit of work to be done on my car. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting times ahead. What eventually put you guys out of the race? Uh, what, what stopped us was a gearbox. Um, something internally with the gearbox uh, went wrong. So, unfortunately, yeah, we lost, uh, lost six gear. And uh, that wouldn't have been... a too much of a, a problem still was obviously going to be a problem for us um, but we could have uh, kept circulating but um, the, the gearbox temperature was getting too high so uh, we had to had to stop and uh, the boys did a great job actually to uh, change the oil uh, put some fresh oil in it and uh, we had enough time just to get out to do uh, the last three or four laps which was uh, good enough for us to be classified a finisher even though um, you know we didn't want to finish down in 25th um, yeah, it was important to get back out there and, and check its flag. Mm. The difference between this year being the lead driver in the team and last year, how many more responsibilities are on you as that number one man? Well, in terms of uh, there are quite a few more responsibilities. You know, the, the setup of the car essentially uh, relies or, or sits with me. And uh, it was very difficult this year with, with the, the, the weather that was was up there this this year so uh you know the last practice session on thursday being cancelled was very strange and um it was sort of very very difficult conditions you know uh, pretty well every every co-driver in the field except for the guys that were probably doing the development series um didn't have any dry laps um until the morning warm-up on saturday just the way that the rain 
um, was coming and going throughout the weekend, and, and then it was a very mixed day on Friday with uh, you know only getting one one practice session in the dry just before qualifying. So uh, it was it was a strange weekend, and it's sort of one of those weekends uh, that you'd, you'd like to be able to start over again, and it was certainly. Uh, Certainly no different in our case. Mm. Of course, the media commitments and uh, certainly the uh, commitments from sponsors for you are, are heightened over this weekend. Did that have any extra things you had to do to uh, get yourself to be able to get yourself focused for getting in the car with those other distractions? Oh, no, not really. Um, t- to be honest, it wasn't too bad for us at Jim Beam Racing. Um, not really... Uh, any more commitments than, than what we have on, on a regular round, surprisingly. So uh, from that point of view, it was uh, pretty easy to stay focused. Uh, if you can't focus for the biggest race of, of the year, then you, you've got a bit of trouble. So, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, get a motorhome out of Apollo campus. So thanks to the guys um, at Apollo, um, we were able to stay at the track. And uh, both myself um, and Stevie Johnson, Stayed, stayed at the track, so it was nice every night to uh, just chill out in, um, at the track. And, and um, yeah, it was uh, something different that I haven't experienced before, but um, probably try and keep doing it, I think, mm. in the future. Now, not only have you got your spot here on the V8 Insiders, but uh, right throughout the weekend, you were giving a video diary to all and sundry. And uh, I noticed uh, today when I was looking at it that uh, it is actually called the James Moffat Channel. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, James Moffat TV going there on YouTube, so uh, anybody listening that wants to, to check it out, make sure you do. But, yeah, it was uh, it was great to be able to bring uh, everybody, uh, we called it Moss Mountain Diaries, which was uh, thanks to the, the great support from the guys at Norton. So uh, we, we thought it was something a little bit different that gave people, a, well, hopefully gave people an insight into uh, what uh, us as drivers go through um, in the week of Bathurst, so um, it it started on Thursday with uh, with the cameras following me all, all through the weekend. So uh, we've had uh, some pretty good response from it. So who knows? We might be able to do it again next year. Mm. And of course, uh, next year, one uh, one race that's synonymous with your family is set to return: the Sandown Five Hundred. What's your thoughts on that? Well, that's, uh, I'm really excited to be honest. Um, you know, Sandown's a place that, uh, yeah, clearly Dad had a, a lot of uh, success there and won the 500-kilometre the race there a few times. And um, it's a personal favour of mine, Sandown. I've always seemed to have gone pretty well there and uh, I probably consider that uh, my true home track, uh, being a Melbourne boy. And um, I'm excited. It'll be my first uh, Sandown 500. So really looking forward to that. And um, I'm sure... We'll uh, we'll have a have a good weekend down there, but uh, we've got a few more few more things to to settle before then. But yeah, looking forward to the return of the Sandown 500. That's mm. for sure. James, all the best for the Gold Coast. Thanks very much, Craig. Talk to you then. James Moffat joining us here on the Van Siders. Plenty more right after this. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the voice of the V8 Supercar Series, Chris Jewell. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hey, Craig. How are you going? Very well, thanks. As is the, uh, well, the voice of the mountain almost. In uh, You're always up there, Richard... Uh, 2BS and and all the uh, associated radio commitments you have over the week of Bathurst and also on-course duties for everyone else, you probably work harder than Chris, perhaps. Oh, no, I wouldn't go that far, but hello, Craig. Hello, Julio. Good to talk to you again. Uh, Great weekend, wasn't it? It was an interesting weekend. Uh, I guess one good thing about being in the media centre is when it's pissing down rain, you're not getting as wet as everyone else who's out there enjoying the weekend. And uh, certainly Thursday, Friday was atrocious conditions. Chris? Yeah, oh, well, you get that. You have to expect everything. I don't think it would be um, you know, the place that we revere so much if you went up there knowing you're going to get 23 degrees and clear skies all day every day. We've had everything in the mountain, excepting snow. But, of course, we cast our mind back to last year and it was only a week away from the race when snow did fall. So in some ways we are probably pretty lucky, but... I made comment on the way in on Wednesday about uh, the last genuinely wet Bathurst back in 2000 and how the tractors were towing cars out of the car park. Well, that didn't happen this year because they shut the car park. Yeah. <laughs> they were a bit more organised this year, I think. I remember uh, I had a go-kart race at Orange, which isn't far away from Bathurst a few years ago now, and uh, we had to break the ice off the track before we could go out to practice. So it does get cold in that central uh, high, uh, central Tablelands region of New South Wales. One thing that wasn't cold was the finish of the race, though, and Garth Tander, Richard, really just did a, a sterling job to hang on ahead of a very hard charge in Craig Lounsey. It was interesting. Lounsey said he didn't realise it was the last lap until he was heading down towards uh, Hell's Corner and uh, looked up at the scoreboard and saw the last lap uh, click up there. He said he'd sort of lost count from Dutto there and uh, uh, sorry from JJ there in uh, in the in the uh, pressure and the concentration he was having in closing down GT. Yeah, and and it was one of the great chases I think of the race that we've seen in, in recent memory that you know he was six or seven seconds behind and. You know, we were sitting in the media centre uh, listening to Julio's commentary and I was sitting actually with Craig Lowndes' manager, David Siegel, and some of his team who were obviously fairly emotionally invested in the result of the race. Um, and, you know, we were watching sector times. It was that kind of a race where, you know, split one, he'd pull three tenths out, split two, he'd pull another three tenths out, and at the end of the lap, he'd pull five or six tenths, you know, that lap, and the gap would come down. But... You know, we thought we'd probably get close to him, but we weren't real sure that there'd be any real hope of a, a challenge for the victory. But then he kept coming and coming, and GT locked his brake going into the chase, and that cost him a second a lap. Um, and Craig got to the back of him on lap 160, and, and 161 was, was an outstanding display of, of two of the very best touring car drivers anywhere in the world, driving for two of the best teams on the best racetrack. And I think the show was um, was all about that. It was a tremendous finish. It was really good. I don't think there was ever massive doubt that Garth Tander wouldn't hold on to win it. People tend to forget after you've had a, a rough season like the Holden Racing Team have that um, Garth Tander is probably one of the best drivers in the field. So, you know, it was going to be a massive effort for Craig to get by him, but it was a privilege to watch those two race at a very, very good track in two very good cars and put on an outstanding finish and an outstanding race that had the crowd on their feet for the last five or six laps. It was awesome to be there. 
Chris, you're in that enviable position of uh, being able to call the finish for the race fans at the track. But this comes after six and whatever hours of already commentating. How hard was it to get up in those last three laps and give 10 minutes of commentary that uh, everyone walks away from remembering as well as the uh, race itself? Oh, look, it's not hard. You obviously condition yourself knowing no matter what's actually happening in the first 20 laps, regardless of the battle position anywhere through the field, that it doesn't really mean anything until such time as you get to the end. And you know, so many times we see the reverse happen and safety cars neutralising the result or six or seven people running nose to tail. And the last thing that that race needed as it was running, the way it ran, was a safety car to get in the way of the charge. It was a lot like the run last year between Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Winkup on the streets of the Gold Coast, albeit nothing like that as far as the topography is concerned. And look, I honestly think that had the layout have been a different layout and it wasn't Mount Panorama, then Garth was potentially going to be a sitting duck. But mm-hmm. knowing full well that he was never going to wave Craig by, it was going to require a mistake. And I thought it was just exemplary. And we can read the faces and the uh, responses of the fans in the commentary box because they're sitting right in front of you in that small common, uh, small grandstand opposite the uh, the pits. And uh, you know they were they were sort of writing notes on back of, backs of pizza lids and all sorts of things, asking you know how many laps to go and who was our tip and why isn't there a Ford in the battle? And in all honesty, the only way we could have topped that was had it have been a dead heat across the line. And perhaps the only way we might have even had a little bit more euphoria, if possible, or possible is if a Ford was involved as well. But now you don't have to dig too deep when you've got a race like that at the end because you don't get enough of them. And uh, that was a race for the ages. It really was. Whether you're on, watching it on TV or watching it live. Um, I don't know how you topped that. I really do not know. And uh, I was still buzzing on the way home on Monday, I've got to tell you. Mm. Now, the co-driver performances, Chris, were impressive. A debut winner, not since Jackie X. And I've got to say, the racing pedigree that Jackie X came into 1977, compared to the racing pedigree that Nick Perkhat brings in, sort of doesn't weigh apples with apples. Nick Perkhat is a rookie, rookie. He is a first-time driver, first time on the big stage. Jackie Hicks had won a lot of races all around the world before he got to Bathurst with Moff. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. Like, I went over all of the co-drivers' uh, performances during the course of the weekend, collectively, and obviously the most important part of it is the race. And to be quite honest, the driver that did the best job without mistake or mistake that looked like it could have potentially been race-threatening was Andrew Thompson. And I say that with the greatest respect to, to Nick Perkett because he also had to put that car in the position. But Tomo hardly made a mistake. He, just, he demolished the uh, Fujitsu Series runners. The only driver who caught a two-minute, ten-second lap in any of the races up there and came away with, uh, with nothing by comparison. Nick was still very impressive with his speed, but that micro-mistake he made, the, the dropping of the wheel onto the grass over at Skyline, those, the outcome of those could have been very different and we could well have been sitting here dissing his impetuosity. But um, to go up and down the order, it, it, there were so many good efforts from so many co-drivers and, and yet some other co-drivers ended up in a good result in the field but didn't really fly their flag particularly highly. Like Morris was not quick, nor was um, Alan Simonson, yet they both finished well inside the top ten. Bernard had an incident that's driver-related. You know, Brabham made a mistake, Yulden threw it away, Marshall and Ritter were ordinary a couple of times. When you go through it all, the only one that I thought really didn't make any mistakes and probably should have deserved to be on the top step of the podium was Andrew Thompson, and he was the one that most people were thinking was probably likely to fail. Mm. Richard, your thoughts on the co-driving? Oh, look, I completely agree with everything Chris has said, and, and I think that the point about Andrew Thompson is, is one that needs to be reinforced because I think it's got lost in the euphoria of having a rookie winner and, and the job that, that Tander and Perkett did in the HRT car and the fact that, that ultimately at the end there, that car double eight wasn't in contention for a race result because obviously they had their alternator problems. 
the car was sucking juice, and then they, they held up the queue and the safety car came out and, um, you know, probably almost cost their teammates the race in a way because they were, they were caught up behind them when they were rolling around at, at 10Ks an hour. But to that point, Thompson had done an outstanding job, and, and I, I agree with Chris that, that he didn't make a mistake. He kept the car straight. He diced with guys with a lot more experience than him at the start of the race and, and kept double eight in the game, kept it straight, handed it over to, to Jamie Winkup, you know, in a very, very good position. And the result was that they were the leading triple eight car for a majority of the race, and that's just the way it worked out. Look, I, I thought Perkett did a very, very good job, and he showed at Phillip Island what he was capable of, and we knew that he would be there or thereabouts. But, you know, there was a, a little question mark when he made that mistake at turn two. Whacked the thing against the wall. Was very lucky to hit the thing square instead of on an angle, so it didn't break anything, and you know ultimately it didn't cost him anything, as, as history will show. But yeah, Andrew Thompson was good on Alan Simonson. I think Alan's proved in the past that he's incredibly capable, and his drive in 2007 springs to mind in the wet there in the Triple Eight car where he was dicing for fourth or fifth place there at the dying end, uh, end of that motor race. So I think he did what he needed to do for Greg Murphy and, and kept the Pepsi Max crew car in the race all day. was good in the wet in practice, so if it rained, that car would have been very, very good. And, and Alan, I know him quite well, has, has always been good in the rain. So, yeah, there were some outstanding performances. Got to tell you, though, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Julo, Luke Yulden. Um, that was a monumental mistake, wasn't it, for a car that was looking very, very strong. Yeah, well, I think it was the fastest FDR car last weekend, to be quite honest. I mean, once again, you know, Mark Winterbottom and Steve Richards' combination was in the mix, but it didn't ever look like winning a race. But at the uh, when Davison was behind the wheel of that car, it looked quick enough to genuinely upset some of the guys at the front. There was a tragedy that Will didn't get the chance to do. So, I mean, that's three reasonably sizable mistakes, isn't it, from Luke, in, uh, in just over sort of, or just under 12 months, but you've got to include the Gold Coast effort of last year and also the mistake he made at the cutting as well. But... You know, Bernard, another mistake. Brabs made a mistake. You know, we talked about Marshall and Ritter also making mistakes. And yet there were other co-drivers who made no mistakes but didn't really get rewarded for their efforts. Canto was brilliant. Perkins was brilliant. Uh, David Wall and Dale Wood as well did the job they were paid to do. John McIntyre, Nathan Preddy. I mean, they all did the job the co-driver should do without mistake. And yet they can probably look at the bloke who won the race and go, gee, I I didn't make a mistake of that magnitude and didn't win. But that's the game, isn't it? It is. You can't take anything away from Nick Perkett. He's he's got the speed. He now has the win. And who knows what the future might be. It'll certainly be a springboard for him for the future. But, yeah, Luke, shame, because I really like Duke, and he's a very good driver. But, yeah, those sorts of things just can't be tolerated, can they, really? Ahead of gas and go, I'm going to throw this one in. Has Bezzy done his dash? He was not... uh, He didn't leave... Uh, GRM under the uh, best of circumstances and now he's, uh, well he hasn't trashed the uh, Jim Beam Racing car but he's put a fair size whack into the wallet at Dick Johnson Racing Chris, does he get a run next year? Look, I think it, where it's getting harder is now that we've got a number of what we call co-drivers that are non-active so they're not actually doing any time in a Fujitsu Series car and they're also not necessarily former race winners and marquee drivers of the highest order. So the way things are shaking out now as we see more younger drivers being given the chance in a number of teams, and with a couple of drivers potentially surplus to requirements next year, like where might Alex Davison end up, You know, where might Paul Dumbrell end up, those sorts of guys are going to be chosen and probably in deference to some of the more seasoned campaigners like a David Bernard or a Luke Yulden, if I had to make a mistake, it's hard to see them actually forming part of the the, uh, the program next year unless there are vacancies that just need to be filled. So, yeah, I, I sympathise with David. I mean, he could have won 
a couple of bathes, if not for the odd slip, but he hasn't, and uh, and that was a pretty big mistake, regardless of whether you know, the team is saying they didn't communicate with him. Every driver in that, that team knows full well that when you change pads, you need to pump the, pe- the pedal back up to be nice and firm, and you've got a kilometre to do it, and for whatever reason, either the pedal didn't come up uh, or he didn't pump it to come up, but I would have thought that he might have realised that before he got to the braking area of Turn 2. Mm-hmm. Richard? Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing that we need to look at, and and this might be a discussion for a a different show, but the the, the co-driver, Paul, I think might get a little bit larger if this this V8 Super Tourer Series in NZ takes off, because the cars are going to be very, very similar. There's going to be another group of young drivers over there driving very similar cars uh, with similar performance, similar balance and handling characteristics that that might open up themselves to enduro drives over the top of guys like David Bernard, who rock up twice a year and that's it you know through the rest of the year they're not doing anything so um the the co-driver pool may well end up being larger and that might mean some of these guys who have made these these mistakes this year might not get another go so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out Uh, really disappointing for um for a couple of guys there i I felt for johnny mcintyre i thought that car looked pretty good all day van gisbergen was his usual fiery self all weekend but you know they were in for a, a top four or five at least but uh, as it was, they were they were solid top ten. Should have been higher if it wasn't for that spin at the end. And Luke Yildon, yeah, I don't know. Bernard, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I, I'm not sure if I can see him having another drive. Mm-hmm. All right, gas and go time here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and go brought to you by. The V8X Magazine, and of course, Stephen Johnson on the cover. I'm starting to think that the cover of V8X Magazine is a bit of a curse. Kelly's, Johnson, and uh, gee, you, you, if you're Craig Lounge, you'd be saying, Nev, don't put me on, put my opposition on, I want to win this year. Should Mark Scaife continue driving or join the V8 Supercar Commission, Chris Jewell? I think you should keep driving. Oh, I enjoy having Scaifey up there. It's great to have the names. I mean, look at the uh, combined experience of that entry last week. Craig Lowndes, Mark Scaife. I mean, no one's had more Bathurst wins collectively in the field, and he certainly enjoys the fabric of the Triple Eight race engineering operation. And I know there's a role to play at the commission, but right now um, he's got forever to be working on commissions. And while he's young enough, fit enough, active enough, and doing the job he's doing, why not keep driving? I think it'd be great to see him continue. Richard. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's still driving at a level that's certainly high enough to do the job and Triple Eight wouldn't have employed him again this year if he wasn't. So, no, keep driving, Scafe. He's doing an awesome job. And he, he and Craig, if they go for another two years together or three years or whatever it might be, there's no reason why they can't win every Bathurst in that period. Um, they're still the best team. They're still the best combination. You know, they were unlucky to win at the weekend. You know, he should keep driving. No doubt about it. Mm, unbelievably, three years after he retired from full-time driving, he is now faster than he was one year when he was in Sprint Gas that year and uh, obviously quicker than last year when he won the race. What it was the biggest moment of the race, Richard? Uh, oh, look, I don't think you can get behind the the finish of the race and it was just, as Julio said at the start, it was it was awesome to see that and, and see the, the fans get behind it. There are a couple of fairly big collective moments throughout it, though, I thought, where... There was some mid-pack racing, and Chris will agree with me, that 
that was pretty on. I mean, there were moments there where they were three wide going up into the cutting on lap about, I don't know, 95, I think it was, and, and that was pretty wild to watch. But the other the other key moments of the race were, were the pit stops stacking and the way that every time Triple Eight needed to stop, and I'm talking about car Triple Eight, a safety car would come out, so they would have to stack behind their teammates who had track position, and it was that very big gamble to see them go sort of off-sequence and get uh, get Triple Eight off strategy and bury them in the field, give up track position, which is usually a very big Triple Eight no-no, um, to try and get them off sequence with their teammates to uh, to have a go at winning the motor race. So that that showed how critical strategy was over the weekend, and that was really interesting to follow and see the kind of economy that cars were getting and when they were stopping. So, but the biggest moment was the finish, and that's what everybody will be talking about for the uh, for the next couple of years. I've got no doubt. It's gas and go, Chris Jewell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the finish. I mean, the finish is what it's all about. Everybody raves about a race that has a close finish and uh, even a battle for second or third can be three or four wide, but unfortunately it hasn't got the same significance as a battle for the lead. So, yeah, I thought that, that uh, the finish of that race was just fantastic and I agree with Richard. You, you have to really look deep into that race to go back and see some of the things that have happened and I've been watching bits and pieces here, there, here and there since I got home and uh, it really is hard to piece a lot of it together sometimes. You sometimes wonder about the wisdom of certain decisions, but regardless for that can only be one winner and uh, the winner came defending the best driver in the best car uh, doing the best job so <laughs> you know hats off to Garth Tanner and Nick Perkett. Good news for Gerald McDonald. he finally got rid of those 200th win for HRT front pages that he's been carrying around since Perth will anyone get close Chris to 200 wins a team in the supercar series? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Although you have to look at Triple Eight. I, I don't know the exact number, but uh, with Jamie Winkup uh, having won sort of his 40 career races or thereabouts with that team and Lounsey scoring 10 or so since he's been there, there's 50, 50 in five, six years. So, I don't know, another 10 years of running and they might be at 150, but it'll certainly take some doing if Triple Eight are to r- run in the current guys. I can't see anybody other than that ever getting close uh, to that number, but for the moment... Yeah, who knows how long they might be. Ron might be happy to stay till he's 80, and at that point they might be on 300 wins, but they're the only mob I can see doing it. Mm, Richard? Yeah, I, I agree, and you've got to keep in mind that the Holden Racing Team's been around since uh, the year 19, well, 1990, <laughs> essentially, when they won their first race at Bathurst that year. So they've been around a while. They've had a lot of time to stack it up, and they've had great drivers come through. The, the mid-'90s when Craig Lowndes won everything in '96, Brock won some rounds that year, and beforehand... And then through the great years with Murphy and Scaife and, and Lowndes and all the championships in the 1990s and 2000s. So, yeah, you're going to be very hard-pressed to get that. Uh, and I've got no reason why I can't see Holden Racing Team continuing to be at the front. They've got everything there. And, yes, they've had a tough season, but they're still winning races. So that's the main thing. And they're still right there at the very front of the field and will be for a long time to come. Hey, you'd like to know whatever happened to that Grand Slam because I think your Garth Tanders won the first two legs of that this year. Wrong, wrong year though. Hey, there's no love lost between Murphy and Ambrose, is there? They uh, had a little tater day on Speed TV, and Murph took it on to the press conference afterwards. Richard, which was the funniest thing. It was just brilliant, and he had the media conference room in stitches as he usually does. He's great for a quote, Greg Murphy. I love it. You know, I, there's there's not enough rivalries like that. You know, I think keep it up, and and the fact that even though Murphy's and Ambrose are. 10,000 kilometres apart, they can still uh, get stuck into each other. I think that's brilliant. Why not? It, it's a great thing to play up, and they're having fun. They're both very successful in their uh, individual pursuits, and, and why not have some fun with it? I, I think it's really good fun, and uh, I'd full kudos to Speed TV to, um, to to make that kind of a thing happen and get Marcus on the phone from wherever they were racing last weekend and 
speaking to um, speaking to the team and Greg Murphy at the track. I thought that was brilliant, really good TV. Chris, yeah, it's a perfect setup, wasn't it? it really was, and uh, each of those individuals uh, in their own domain probably feels that they are the stronger in personality, but. Gee, I don't know if it was a street fight. Uh, it'd be interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing them both go head to head, perhaps on an oval race one day, and then having a uh, a match race around Mount Panorama. But Murph clearly does not like Marcus, and Marcus probably doesn't like the fact that Greg doesn't like him. So if you can milk it, and it makes it good for good TV, and as Richard said, an incredibly interesting post race media conference, then go for it. But uh, for sure, it's real. They do not like each other, and I just don't know who dislikes it. the other one more than uh, more than the other. But I reckon Murph might just be leading marginally. <laughs> I think so. I, uh, we've got the answer to this one, so we won't need to spend too much time on it on Gas and Go. Tomo wins the Fujitsu race, but he's lost to Percat in the 1000, has really overshadowed his performance. And, and Chris, you've already identified that uh, he was certainly the most consistent of the co-drivers. Yeah, look, and, and at the end of the day, the winner of, uh, of the Super Chip Auto Bathurst 1000 should get the accolades. It should get all the media. And, you know, every other race that weekend, despite some horrible carnage in so many incidents, we had, you know, dramas in the TCM category, we had dramas in Utes, you name it, it was happening. I think only the Carrera Cup boys managed to uh, stave off having a horrible accident of some sort. But everything does pale, and everybody knows that. It's all about what happens in the 1000, and what happened in the 1000 was a miracle finish and a miracle win. So... Um, it's fair that everything else, including Tomo's Fujitsu pair of race wins, were always going to get lost. Mm, this this Gas and Go brought to you by VADX Magazine. It felt a bit like Scafie stacking up behind the 88, though, time-wise. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. We'll be back with more on the V8 Insiders right after this break. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Richard Crowell and, of course, Chris Jewell joining me, Craig Ravel. And, guys, uh, I just wanted to get a quick thought from you. Firstly, Richard, Cam Waters' debut, of course. He had a moment up there early in the race and uh, eventually got back out there. But overall, what did you think of the showdown uh, series winner's performance? Uh, look, let, let's ignore the fact that that he put the car in the wall and, and that was unfortunate and it's going to happen at Mount Panorama at some stage in your career. People forget Jason Barguana properly crushed the uh, Holden Young Lions car in the warm-up in 97 after doing a spectacular job early in the weekend. So uh, that was unfortunate. Look, I, I thought he did a pretty reasonable job. You know, he kept the car straight for most of the time. He was quick in the wet, which was impressive. Um, and, you know, he did everything that he could have done just to get laps and go around and... and do what he needed to do and ultimately they got him back out to, to finish the race and there were many many laps down and I'm not even sure if they were classified in the end but oh look Cam's a guy with a lot of time to make a career in the sport he's 16 17 years old he's got a long long time ahead of him to forge a professional career there's no doubt he's got the talent he's been showing that in Formula Ford for a couple of seasons and his uh, efforts alongside Grant Daniel were very good so yeah, 
unfortunate way to end it for him and, and probably won't look good in the short term, but um, I think there's a, there's a lot of time for Cam to make a mark in his career and I've got no doubts that he will. And, of course, uh, let's not forget, Chris Jewell, that uh, he had the toughest year ever to go to the mountain with two practices virtually being cancelled. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I sympathise with Cam, but... Look, there's a long list of people who've made contact with any part of that uh, venue in all sorts of different categories, right, right the way to the top of the, uh, the tree in the uh, championship program. So I think he'll actually bounce back a much better driver as a result of it. And Bathurst is a sort of place to be, to be bitten early. It's a bit like the hot fire syndrome. You know full well to, uh, to perhaps be a little bit more careful in, uh, in certain parts of the track before. There's nothing worse than having somebody go there for four or five years and think they own the place and they know every uh, inch of road up there. And then the first one they have is a monster one. That was an unfortunate one. It was a low-speed mistake that can happen quite easily when you get offline there. And fortunately, he went out there and did a couple of two-minute, 13-second laps in the race, which is not that bad, to be honest, for a kid who's never seen the place before. So... A lot of people say, I told you so, but the fact of the matter is, as Richard said, in 10 years' time, I'm sure he'll be running around uh, up there again and may well have even won a race by then, and he's not going to remember what happened on Sunday when he's doing that. Mm. Of course, uh, Richard, your weekend was complete on about Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, when uh, you got to have a chat with DW, but Speed TV USA being over there with Mike Joy, DW, and, uh, of course, Diffie, and they had a a cast of a lot more than what I thought they were going to have there, but... uh, Mm. Uh, your thoughts on that? Look, I, I thought it was good. Uh, we were talk, talking about this at dinner on Sunday night, weren't we, Gillo, with David Addison, that, that a lot was made out of another broadcaster coming in and, and covering the same race that domestic ones were because it's been happening in Formula 1 for years. But the fact that Speed had that commitment to do that was good. Um, now, we, we've sneakily listened to a little bit of their commentary throughout the race, and we've since gone back and watched some bits and pieces on YouTube, and... And to their credit, it was very good, and, and Mike from Circuit, um, he was very informed and very articulate, as, as you would expect, and, and very knowledgeable on the subject, and they clearly done a lot of research. Having Lee Diffie there, who obviously has called many, many 1,000s for 10, uh, and has been part of the whole game for a long time, you know, was a massive help, and Calvin Fish has a, a long sports car background as well. DW was there because he's DW, and I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I think he probably knew that. But he added a sense of fun to it, and his ride with Jason Bright was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And um, it was a it was a great addition to the event, and I think it just put a, a really great spin on it. And I think overall it was it was very very successful and a massive collaboration between Speed and, and V8 TV and the guys at Seven. So, no, look, good thing for the event, good thing to be prime time on a Saturday night leading into a Grand Prix. And I haven't seen ratings yet, but I hope they were good, and it's a good thing for the sport. And I think the way they embraced it, Julo, was, was outstanding and they had a, a really good time and genuinely likes being there and, and that's all we can ask, isn't it? Yeah, and they'll carry the message too, won't they? Um, mm. All the way back to the US of A and it's the cheapest form of advertising we could have had, whether you know, five people watch it or 500,000, which is the anticipated viewership they're hoping for over there, comparing in mind, of course, that you know, five million people are watching NASCAR, so we have to put that into perspective. But yeah, I thought it was good. It was just something different and, you know, even if Daryl Waltrip is acting, he's a damn good actor be, uh, because some of the stuff that came out of his mouth when he was in that hot lap with Jason Bright was just priceless. And to be quite honest, uh, he might have been able to have the dialogue and throw in some of the key words, and he, he certainly knew him to, thro- to throw in a few different things. Geological oddity is the one that got me, but yeah. his facial expressions, that's not acting. <laughs> he, he was having the ride of his life and the time of his life, and I thought it was great. It's a new dimension, and, and it makes sense. It's not like we're not going to America at any point in our future. We're going there in 2013, so... 
how could we possibly have had a better full-scale advert to try and market ourselves as a category into a new region than have that race broadcast via the Speed Network. Throw in the finish and it gets even better. Yeah, and I was keeping an eye. Jacob Black, of course, who joins us on V8 Insiders quite regularly, he was doing a tweet for Speed TV, which was also on the Speed USA website. And some of the feedback I was seeing through uh, his his forum, his uh, his chat forum was uh, quite positive and a lot of Americans going, these guys are going to come over here. And uh, I reckon in six hours, he probably got sick. He must have cut and pasted the answer. Hey, we're going to Austin in 2013. And uh, about a hundred times, they, the people who were watching it and uh, following his blog were uh, certainly getting into it as much as uh, the race fans over here in Australia. Guys, uh, we do have to touch on the 2012 calendar that was launched. Formats aren't there, but we do know one big format change. Sandown will be the lead-in, and it'll be 500 kilometres. What uh, what are your thoughts on the return to the spiritual lead-up to Bathurst? Chris? Oh, well, I can jump in there. I think it's uh, fantastic. Uh, being a Melbourne boy, uh, I didn't ever know the lead-up to Bathurst as being anything other than a race that used to happen at Sandown in September. I, I could never, ever um, gravitate towards it when it was a Queensland raceway. It just didn't strike me as the sort of demanding test it needs to be, bearing in mind that nothing can ever replicate what happens at Bathurst. I've enjoyed it being a Phillip Island, to be honest. It's been great. I mean, another fantastic circuit here in Melbourne and uh, one of the best circuits in the world. Probably not as demanding on the, uh, the cards as Sandown is, because Sandown's all about power down and it can put lots of loads on gearboxes and brakes etc so for my mind living five minutes from the venue as well uh, i'm delighted to have the race back at sandown and specifically on the calendar well i think it's a great calendar just looking forward to seeing what event they slot into uh to go back to back a week apart with the abu dhabi formula one event a lot of chat about what that might be and some of it i think might be misdirected i think there could be a bit of a surprise in that one Mm, richard yeah, Chris only likes the fact it's going back to Sandown because his house is literally two minutes away, so he can wake up two minutes before the start of the race and still get there in, in time to have a coffee before it gets underway. Uh, no, found I, out. I, yeah, exactly. I like it. I really like it. I, I'm a, a big sort of history buff in the sport, and I, I enjoy the tradition and the history, and I think the Sandown 500, like Julo, I grew up watching that as the lead into Bathurst, and, and that's what I've known, and that's what my dad, who I used to watch the racing with as a kid, knows. Um, and I'm glad they're going back there. I think it's um, it's one of the brands in the sport, the, the Sandown 500 Bathurst 1000, that, that people recognise, and I think that's important. So, um, no, look, I'm, I'm glad they've gone there. Some of the other calendar changes are, are interesting. Winston goes to August, so nothing will change there weather-wise. It's Just to make it a little bit colder, guys. Yeah, probably. Um, Phillip Island moves to May, so... There's still a chance it'll be wet and miserable, so nothing really changes there. Uh, and, yeah, the, the second international event on the way back from the Grand Prix at Abu Dhabi. And let's not look past that. You know, that's a pretty big event there with the Grand Prix. It's sold out every year. And, yes, the V8s will be out in the other paddock, and no-one will be there when the V8s are on the track, but that doesn't matter. Perception's nine-tenths of reality. But to be uh, a major support act to a, a Formula One race, I don't think it's an overly bad thing in an international market. So... No, look, very interesting, very good. The, the second overseas race is obviously the big uh, big question mark at the moment. And then longer term, where do we go in NZ in 2013? But uh, we'll tick all those boxes down the road, I guess. Mm, guys, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Great work right throughout the weekend in your respective divisions. And uh, I guess you're looking forward to this uh, weekend off before you hit the next of the Enduros. It's the most faux Enduro of them all. It's the Gold Coast 600. Chris Jewell. 
Yeah, looking forward to that one. The Armour All event up there on the streets of Surface Paradise. A much shorter bull ring now than the track once was, and I think that's actually conducive to, to great racing. I'll probably sit my backside on the couch and take in the MotoGP before I do that, uh, which I'm sure will be a pretty enthralling affair. But, uh, yeah, Gold Coast next week, uh, leaving on Thursday. Hopefully sunny skies. It's schoolies week for adults, and looking forward to getting there and, and seeing how well these 28 internationals go, joining some of our usual suspects. I think there'll be even more intensity and probably more aggro, to be quite honest, once we go racing. Richard, and yeah, thanks for joining us. I agree. Us. It's a busy end of the year, isn't it? Gold Coast in a couple of weeks, then Tassie and uh, Sandown back-to-back, then we're on the streets of Homebush Bay for the Sydney Telstra 500. So no risk for the wicked, uh, for the wicked uh, Craig, so we're uh, going to have a busy end of the year. But I can't wait for the Gold Coast there. The first time for Touring Cup Masters there is going to be really, really interesting. But, uh, no, it's a great event. Looking forward to heading back up there. Thanks very much for your time, guys. After the break, it's the White Flag Lap where we hear from Garth Tander and Nick Perkat. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we hear from Garth Tander and Nick Perkett, who spoke to Peter Norton, where Garth explained why the victory was dedicated to Tom Walkinshaw. Oh, look, it's, it's for the team. It's, um, you know, Tom was such a powerful leader of our organisation and such a, such a, had such a presence amongst the crew that um, he was a very special character. And, um, you know, when he left us, it was, you know, left a... You know, a big hole in the team, and, and Ryan and Martin Walkershaw now have stepped in and, and are filling that void. But Tom, you know, he was all about Bathurst. He was this race meant a lot to him, and um, you know, to win it first up after his passing is, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty special feeling. It has been a tough year for the team with uh, uh, results that weren't up to standard, uh, the, the restructure and everything like that. Does today mean that, that that process is complete and it's uh, onwards and upwards now? Uh, well, no, it's not complete at all. There's still lots that we need to continue to work towards. It's not, you know, the team's improving rapidly at the moment and, and we're you know, doing a lot of work behind the scenes to continue that work. But just because you win this race doesn't mean that, you know, it's it's all fixed and it's all done. There's still lots to do. So, um, you know, this what this will do, though, is give the guys in the team a lot of belief that we are headed in the right direction, we're doing the right things. Car was very good at Phillip Island. The car was very good here. So um, you know we'll continue to keep working at it, keep working at it until we know we can have the team back to where it deserves to be. You're becoming the master of uh, uh, late race lead and defending it. Your, your first victory was in similar circumstances with a hard charging uh, Paul Radisich. Uh, how do you keep your cool in situations like that? Uh, lesser drivers uh, you know, make mistakes. Oh, I made a couple of mistakes. It probably cost us a bit of time, but. Uh, and didn't make enough to cause us to lose the race lead. So, you know, this race is all about track position. It's all about being at the front, you know, for the last third of the race. And and uh, if you can be at the front uh, with a fast car, then it's very hard for everyone else to get past. And that's what we did. We got ourselves track position at the right time. We held on to it. Uh, and then we got to the line. So, um, yeah, no, it's just you know, all you do is race to the end and make sure you don't make any mistakes that are going to cost you anything massively. And you should get a result. 
you, you've mentioned mistakes, and uh, I, I guess as people studied the whole race, uh, it was far from a perfect uh, race, mm. mistakes, but lucky ones that people got away with. Is it really uh, uh, not perfect, but just uh, comes down to uh, hard charging and a good fight? Oh, I'm not sure anyone that wins Bathurst will say they had no mistakes or no dramas, because this race just throws it, throws it at you, so... You know, obviously Nick had a small drama where he just glanced the wall up at turn two and then I had a small off with about four or five laps to go at the, at the chase. that cost us a bit of time and probably made the finish a bit closer than we liked, but that's what this race is all about now. You've got to push so hard all the time that, um, you know, it's, it's qualifying lap for 161 laps and, um, you know, when you drive like that, mistakes do creep in, but thankfully that didn't cost us today. The championship has slipped away from HRT this year. What can we expect for the rest of the year now? Oh, we want to be back in the top three in the championship by the end of the year, which is capable of doing. Um, and we want to be winning races. So we want to continue to win races, continue to reinforce that we're headed in the right direction. And that's the current plan. I mean, we're not going to win the championship this year unless there's something radical happens. But, you know, if we can be back inside the top three after the year we've had, then that'll be a good result. HRT versus Triple Eight, it's really become one of those classic team rivalries. Uh, uh, you know, will that really be the... Uh, you know, the definition of V8 supercars, the, they're the two teams that really set the standard. Oh, certainly the case here. I think that's 11 races now that it's either Welcome Tour Racing or, or Triple Eight have won here in a row. So, um, yeah, look, I don't know. That's that's up to the other teams as well. You know, everyone's trying to improve. Triple Eight is still a benchmark, and that's what we're all trying to beat. And, you know, when we get things right, we'll be able to beat them. Excellent. Uh, well, thanks for your time, Garth, and uh, cool. enjoy the celebrations. Cheers, thanks. Nick Perkhat, congratulations on a, a thrilling win at Bathurst. Um, surely this is a dream come true. Oh, it definitely is a dream come true. Uh, I've always followed HRT. It's a bit of a coincidence that Brock and Lowndes, the guy who uh, raced hard at the end, uh, can't believe it's happened. It was, it was only like 10, 12 years ago. I was at the top of the mountain as a little kid just watching and trying to, trying to stay out of the way of all the, all the fans and just watch the cars. So it's, it's unbelievable, and uh, Garth is just... Absolutely awesome to handle that much pressure at the end, and oh, I just don't know, know what to say. Can't thank everyone enough, Mum, Dad, and whole Walkinshaw family. They've brought me along, so it's just awesome. Now, well, people who are big into motorsport will have followed your career a bit, uh, you know, through the other classes, and of course in the Fujitsu series this year. But uh, some listeners probably aren't familiar with Nick Perkat. Uh, what's a, a condensed history of, of how you've gotten here? Um, well, basically, I got picked up with Walkinshaw Racing at the end of 2006. I uh, did the Aussie Racing Car Series and was runner-up in my rookie year there. And then um, they brought me through Formula Ford, won that championship. Um, most wins in history. We broke a lot of records there too. And then uh, they brought me to the Fujitsu V8 Series and um, brought me to my first Bathurst and we've broken, broken the records again. So it's just awesome. I can't thank them enough for control racing. In the Fujitsu Series, you've had, a, you know, a, I guess, a challenging uh, learning year. Can you tell me a little bit about that, that rivalry that's uh, there? Because it really is a, uh, a very competitive series this year. Oh, it definitely is. Um, we've been doing it. We've got Kotar on board, and we definitely want to win a championship, but we're there. To, our primary goal was to give me laps to do this, this event, and um, it's all paid off. We haven't um, gone out and done a Triple Eight and run, run the latest and greatest of cars. Um, you still have to work hard for it. I'm not, I don't expect to get a car that's uh, the same as Garth and DBS. It's um, you have to work for it, and you just you have to work. You have to drive an older car, which isn't even an old car. It's better than half the main game field, but you have to drive a car that's a little bit harder to drive to improve yourself. And then when I get in this car, it's much easier. But it's um, it's, it is good to get first time in the wet was only like three months ago in uh, in a V8 supercar. So it's just all came at the right time. And then in the wet here, I was uh, plenty fast enough. Uh, back at Perth, you uh, had a 
a fairly notorious couple of scrapes with Paul Morris. In things like that, does that actually help prepare you for the, the big time? Um, oh, he, he said it did, but it didn't really. I didn't. It, uh, it did frustrate me quite a lot because I was leading the championship into Perth and um, I was quite confident leading into that. And after that, he uh, pretty much just destroyed the whole year for whatever reason. But um, I put that behind me uh, before Townsville and we, we had a laugh about it at Townsville, which was the very next round. And we had saw him this weekend. Can't, it was all sweet. So um, we all knew my goal was to be uh, the quickest enduro driver. And I think we've probably proven that. The, the rivalry uh, in that series, uh, you know, yourself against Andrew Thompson, for example, it really is a HRT versus Triple Eight kind of thing in both categories, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. But I think um, they've they've poured a lot more money into the DVS than we have. We've we've done it for the laps and um, exposure in V8 supercars. That um, when you're driving Jamie Wincup's car from like Homebush last year, you, you'd want to be winning. Um, we started uh, chatting, talking about uh, uh, a young kid at the top of the mountain. Uh, I guess part of the satisfaction today is that uh, you're out there with some of the childhood heroes. Yeah, exactly. I think I've got posters. Of, I've definitely got posters of Brock and Lowndes and Scaife, Garth even, and then to be racing door-to-door with Scaife, Lowndes. Uh, well, the only two really I raced all day, and it's just just crazy. I think Jamie was in there, but he's he's not that much older than me, so I probably didn't follow him as much because I just wanted to get in. So, um yeah, it's just awesome to be able to run with those guys. They have so much respect on the track and they drive so hard. So every time you race them, you definitely step up a level. Excellent, Nick. Well, we look forward to more exciting things in the future. And, uh, you know, it has, has to be soon for the, the step up to the main game. Um, you, you've indicated uh, next year is probably not likely, but, uh, uh, you know, what sort of time frame do you set yourself as a target? Um, oh, I'd love to be in it next year, but um, I'm not sure we have a seat. Um, I'm not going anywhere else, I don't think. So, well, not at the moment, unless some amazing... <laughs> something amazing happens it's uh, an awesome team to be at Toll HRT and um, I'm very happy here so uh, I'm happy to probably happy to keep going with the Fujitsu series next year but that hasn't all been finalised yet there's um, things happening in the background that obviously no one knows about so we'll see where we end up well uh, today's result obviously has to help with uh, putting together a program for next year well done thank you thanks my thanks to Peter Norton there with Nick Burkett also Garth Tander also to Chris Jewell and Richard Kral as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.